Don't let this world make you something you're not, but rather be changed, transformed. And last time we looked at this great transformation that God wants to do in our lives, when we put ourselves at His disposal, He changes us from the inside out. There's a transformation, a complete and radical change. Everything about us is different. If any man's in Christ, he's a new creature. But that isn't just a one-time thing, nor is it merely a positional thing. Our life is to reflect that. So we're new creatures in Christ, and everything about us is to be changed. And it doesn't just happen. Now, before God it does. The moment you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you're a new creature. But it's a process of transformation. Welcome to Downtown Bible Class with Pastor Scott Gilchrist. Today we continue in our study of the book of Romans. Pastor Scott brings part three of the message titled, Be Transformed. We invite you to follow along with us now as we get started. Going to take your Bible and turn to Romans chapter 12. Chapter 12 of Romans. I urge you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. The more you look at, the more you meditate on, the more you listen to Romans 12, 1 and 2, the more you're struck with what a thorough and complete statement of the Christian life, of our responsibility that this statement is. I mentioned when we began that it's, it's concise and yet it's comprehensive, and I like it. It's, it's not complicated. I weary, don't you, of complicated instructions, you know. I just put them aside. I get frustrated. It's concise, but it's comprehensive, too, and I get tired, too, when I'm looking for directions and, and they're oversimplified. I get frustrated, you know. You say, Scott, you're just a frustrated guy. <laughs> And when it comes to directions, I think sometimes I am. <laughs> but you know, the Bible is not, it doesn't get complicated, nor does it oversimplify. This statement is just perfect. The law of the Lord is perfect. Perfect. I mean, every word of God is tested. He's a shield to those who take refuge in Him. The words of the Lord, and I see it in these two verses, the words of the Lord are like pure silver refined on the earth seven times. God didn't waste words. The words that I speak to you, Jesus said, are spirit and are life. All Scripture is inspired by God. It's God-breathed. And hence, you can with very much profit teach, correct, reprove, be trained in righteousness. In fact, as you just spend time with each word, there's value. And uh, you see that some places more than others. And uh, look, at, look at these two verses with me for just a minute. And uh, certainly if there was a one-word summary. You know, I mentioned when we got here that it's uh, a crucial text in Romans. And if there's a one-word summary, 
11 chapters of what God has done. Now here are the first command, the first imperative. Present yourself. Give yourself over to Him. If you wanted to summarize it, that's the word. But uh, watch it word for word because it's interesting. In fact, you can review where we've been by just looking at almost every word. Look at verse 1. I urge you. He didn't command. He comes alongside and urges you. Therefore, in light of what I've just said, this isn't in a vacuum. The Christian life isn't just, you start living. The Christian life is in response to 11 chapters. I urge you, therefore, brethren. This isn't some pope dictating what to do. This is a brother of ours, the brotherhood of believers, Paul. He's an apostle. He speaks with God's authority, but he speaks as a fellow child of God. I urge you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. He could have said, and I think, you know, knowing what Romans is all about, you'd think by the righteousness of God. But he says, by the mercies of God. To present yourselves, to put yourself at God's disposal, to abandon your life to Him. He has given you everything. You give yourself to me, God says. To present your bodies. And I said, you know, he's not just talking about our body, obviously, somehow in contrast to our heart or our soul or our mind. When you present your body, you present everything. Not just the spiritual side of life. Every side of life. Present your bodies a living sacrifice. Uh, living sacrifice implies that ongoing need to not just once in your life commit to Him, but daily. Daily. Ongoing. Holy. Pure. Christ-like living. And of course, we're to be like a sacrifice. I mean, we, He's the sacrifice, but we're to be poured out on the altar of Christ. We're to be His. A living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God. I wish they'd have translated this where, the way it usually is. Well-pleasing. He likes this. This is what he's looking for. He is delighted when Christians give themselves to him. Well-pleasing to God. And it's your spiritual service of worship. It's the only rational, logical. That's where we get the term logical. From this term here for the spiritual service of worship. It's the only reasonable thing to do. And of course, it gives us a key to what worship is all about. When you think about it, worship is founded on and it flows from lives yielded to Jesus Christ. Only Christians can truly worship God. And only devoted Christians, those given over to Him, know what real spiritual worship is. That's what it's all about. And then he says, don't be conformed to this world. And, you know, there's a whole thought there in verse 2 that we looked at. Don't let this world make you something you're not, but rather be changed, transformed. And last time we looked at this great transformation that God wants to do in our lives, when we put ourselves at His disposal... He changes us from the inside out. There's a transformation, a complete and radical change. Everything about us is different. If any man's in Christ, he's a new creature, you know. 
initially. But that isn't just a one-time thing, nor is it merely a positional thing. Our life is to reflect that. So we're new creatures in Christ, and everything about us is to be changed. And it doesn't just happen. Now, before God, it does. The moment you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you're a new creature. But it's a process of transformation called growth. And he's going to finish the job. He said, I'm going to finish what I started. You can be sure of that. And Paul said, I have every confidence that he who began the good work in you will complete it till the day of Christ Jesus. But this process of transformation, we think differently now. We act differently. Our values are no longer worldly values. They're his values. Our priorities are to become more and more like his priorities. The way we think, and notice, look at verse 2, this transformation, this radical change, how it's accomplished. By the renewing of your mind. I said last time, but it's so important for us to see it. The mind is key. How you think when you came to Christ, you thought, you understood. You came to saving knowledge of Christ. You grasped that you were a sinner, that Christ, God's Son, died for you. So you come to Christ with your intellect engaged. It isn't just an emotional thing. Oh, it's emotional oftentimes. I mean, it involves the whole person. And we're going to see as we develop this that you can't really separate heart, soul, mind. These words are, are used so closely together. But God, but he, but they're used for a reason. He's talking about the whole person. And it, Christ isn't, and your walk with Christ isn't merely a matter of the heart. It's a matter of the mind also. You say, distinguish those. I say, I don't really. I just know that they connote two different uh, aspects of the real me, and the Bible uses them side by side, uses them interchangeably sometimes, and sometimes with distinction, but always driving at not only the very seed of our emotions and our will, but our intellect, our mind, our understanding. In fact, he said, what's the first commandment, Jesus? What's the greatest commandment? What did he say? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. The new covenant in Hebrews 8, I think it's verse 10, he says, I'm going to put my laws in their mind. Now, in one sense, that happens when you come to Christ, but in another sense, it won't be completed until the day of Christ Jesus, but we can participate in that process now, getting the mind of God, the laws of God, the Word of God into our Minds, and it's absolutely crucial that we do so. And uh, it's, it's accomplished initially when we come to Christ, but there's this ongoing process that I want to talk about. And if you're looking at the title, it's wrong as far as the sermon goes. We're not going to get to the, to the will, of, uh, will of God till next week. But I'll tell you what, when your mind is renewed, one of the great benefits is that you will know, you'll discern, you'll understand, and be able to figure out the will of God. So hang on, we'll get there. But I want to take, glance back at 2 Corinthians 3 again. Turn over to 2 Corinthians 3. And I want to take a look at this process of transformation, this renewing of the mind, because it's so crucial. 
to Christian living. And uh, we need, you and I need our minds renewed. Now, remember, we saw that uh, before Christ, Satan had us blinded. The God of this world blinds the minds of the unbelieving so that they might not see the beauty of Christ, 2 Corinthians 4, verse 3 and 4, in this text, really. But we picked it up at chapter 3, verse 16, 2 Corinthians 3. Whenever a man turns to the Lord, the blindedness or the veil is lifted. When you come to Christ... Your eyes are opened. The veil is lifted. You're transferred from darkness into light. And your mind, you quit thinking wrong thoughts about God. Oh, he's just a benevolent grandfather. Surely if he created us, he'd surely save everybody. You don't think just what the natural man thinks anymore. You begin to realize who God really is. He's holy and righteous And his law is perfect. And the wages of breaking his law, the wages of sin, the wages of stepping outside his love and rebelling against him is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And you understand that. And you believe and the veil is lifted when you turn to the Lord. Now... This is a work of the Holy Spirit. Look at verse 17. The Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. There's liberty. Certainly in coming to Christ, that's a convicting work of the Holy Spirit. He brings us to the Lord. And then he continues his work. And it's the work of the Holy Spirit. And it is freeing. You're freed from the guilt of sin. And over a process of time, you're freed from the very power of sin. And someday... He's going to set us free from the very presence of sin. But uh, what I'm after here is this process of freedom that the Holy Spirit works in us. And verse 18 is such a great statement of it. We all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. The Spirit of the Lord is the one who does this. And by the way, when he says in Romans 12, I want your mind renewed, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That term renewing is only used twice in the whole New Testament. Romans 12 and over in Titus 3, 5, when he speaks of the renewal of the Holy Spirit. So this is a work of the Spirit. He makes that very clear. You see it in verse 17 and verse 18. It's from the Lord, the Spirit, and He transforms us. We're changed from within as we behold as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. As we look into the pages of the mirror, Scripture, James tells us, We look into the word of the Lord and we look for the face of the Lord, the glory of the Lord. And if you want to know for sure what you're looking for, look at verse 6. I pointed it out last time, but look at verse 6 of chapter 4. The glory of of God is the face of Christ. The Holy Spirit delights in taking the things of Christ and making them real. And we become then, look at verse 18, transformed into the same image. We become more and more like Christ. When he said in Romans 8 that he's going to work all things together for good to those who are called according to his purpose, he said that we'll be conformed 
to the image of Christ. The Christian life is a process whereby the Holy Spirit makes me and you more and more like Christ. And someday, 1 John 3, 2 says, we're not what we ought to be now. Be, beloved, behold, it, you know, it, we're not yet as it, as it appears what, what it will be. But when we see him, we will be like him. <laughs> I mean, that's God's goal that Jesus Christ would be the firstborn among many brethren. We need to be like Christ, and that's this transformation, and it occurs by the renewing of the mind, and you actually get the mind of Christ. We need to think like He thought when He was here and like He thinks now. We need the mind of God. We need the mind of the Spirit. Now somebody, if you turn back to Romans 12... And if you've been listening carefully, I hope even my language kind of makes you bristle a little bit to say, the mind of Christ, the mind of God, us? My mind is far from that. But we need the mind of God. And somebody, if you're sharp, they say, wait a minute, objection. Look back a couple verses. Look at 11, 34. Who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who became his counselor? How could you say, Scott, to have the mind of Christ? Who has known the mind of Christ? Who has become his counselor? Who could fathom the depths of the mind of God? As the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are not your ways, and my thoughts are not your thoughts. Doesn't it say that? Oh, yes, it does in Isaiah 55. But that chapter is an invitation to get into His Word, to listen, to come and be fed. Now, this is so crucial. How is it that I could say we have to have the mind of Christ, yet the Bible says, who has the mind of the Lord? I think right here is where many, if not, I don't know if I'd say most, but I'll say many Christians fail to see a crucial connection because I, this verse 34 is a quote of Isaiah 40, verse 13. And it's quoted one other place in the New Testament. Turn over there, Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians 2, Paul raises this question by quoting Isaiah uh, 40, 13. Another, in another context, and I'll tell you, this crucial command to renew your mind... It's sadly one of the most neglected commands. And it could be that you're here, you've been bouncing along in your Christian life, you wish you were more like Christ, you wish you had more power over sin, you wish you weren't so easily bullied by the world, and you feel yourself impotent to do much about it, you wish you weren't conformed to this world, but you haven't seen much happen. It could be that you've missed this crucial connection between transformation and the renewal of the mind and what Paul says is possible. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 16, who has known the mind of the Lord that he should instruct him? He raises the same question and he answers it. But we have the mind of Christ. Think about that. Who could know the mind of God? But we have the mind of Christ. 
What does he mean by that? Well, don't rip it from its context. Read the context surrounding verse 16. Go go back with me to verse 9. And some of these words are very familiar, but uh, so often this is missed. Verse 9, just as it is written. In fact, you know what? I want to look at the whole context. Go back to verse 1. <laughs> when I came to you, brethren, see, watch the connection of Paul. When I came to you, brethren, I didn't come with spirit, superiority of speech or of wisdom, proclaiming to you the testimony of God. What did he come with? Not the word of men, but the word of God, the testimony of God. I didn't come with slick persuasion or superiority of eloquence. I came with the testimony of God. And read those next eight verses this afternoon and realize that it's a, in summary, you could, you could think of uh, what Paul said to the Thessalonians. When I came to you, I thank God that you accepted what we had to share with you, the gospel, the word of truth, for what it really is, the word of God, not the word of man. So he's dealing with the word of God. He said, I brought the testimony of God to you. Now, verse 9, things which eye has not seen and ear has not heard and which have not entered the heart of man, all that God has prepared for those who love him. Isn't that a wonderful verse? Things you could never dream of, all that God has prepared for those who love him. You know, I've heard this verse misused more than I've heard it used rightly because it's so beautiful. And I think we almost instinctively think about what? Heaven. And so you'll hear it at funerals. Things which eye has not seen, ear has not heard, all that God has prepared. Things we could never dream of God has prepared for us in heaven. That's not what he's talking about. It's true enough. I don't think we can think too high a thoughts of heaven. But he's not talking about the grandeur of heaven here. He said things which you could never come up with on your own, things that your mind can't get naturally, all that, verse 10, or I should say the end of verse 9, God has prepared for those who love him, for Christians, for to us, verse 10, God revealed them through the Spirit. It's not He's going to show us someday in heaven. It's to us God has revealed them through the Spirit. You've been listening to Downtown Bible Class with Pastor Scott Gilchrist. Please stay with us. Pastor Scott will return in just a moment with a preview of our next broadcast. Today's program was titled, Be Transformed, a message from our series in the book of Romans. If you missed a portion of the message heard on the program today, or you'd like to share it with a friend, head on over to downtownbible.org. A free copy of today's entire message is available there for you to stream or download at your convenience. We're excited to announce that Downtown Bible Class will have a new name beginning in April. The program will be called, Abide in the Word with Pastor Scott Gilchrist. Same Christ-centered teaching, same music, Same announcer, same times, and radio stations. Our new website will be AbideInTheWord.net. Our listeners will have the same access to listen, download, or connect via podcast. Why not head over to the new site and check it out? There'll be access there to the entire archive of messages from Pastor Scott, easily searchable and accessible for your use. 
Again, that's abideintheword.net. We're thrilled to announce the publication of a new book written by Pastor Scott Gilchrist. It's called A Brief Exposition of Romans. It's a 266-page chapter-by-chapter commentary on Romans that we're sure will enhance your understanding of this critical book in the New Testament. The book is available online at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and most other online booksellers. But during our study of Romans, we'd like to send you a copy as a thank you for a gift of any amount to the Ministry of Downtown Bible. You can find us online at downtownbible.org or by mail at P.O. Box 19191, Portland, Oregon, 97280. We'd love to put this valuable resource in your hands. Now, before we end our time today, let's go to Pastor Scott for a preview of our next broadcast. You can think on His Word. You can meditate. You can mull it over. You can renew your mind. You can get rid of your thoughts and put in His thoughts. And that's why those who give themselves to the Word of God so often are those who will memorize large portions of the Scripture. That isn't a contest. That isn't just an academic uh, deal to just see, you know. But when we encourage our children to really hide His Word, to treasure it in their hearts, it's because it changes you. It transforms you. And uh, Jesus said, abide in my words. He didn't just say, grab a quick five minutes. He said, live in them. Dwell in them. That's what the word abide. Continue. Uh, Spend time in God's word. Now, having said all this, let me just ask you, are you renewing your mind? Join us again next time as we continue our series through the book of Romans. Pastor Scott will conclude the four-part message titled, Be Transformed. Until then, may the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you. 